over this latest lockdown, I know because I conduct research that some of you, at least some of you, have been watching season four of The Crown. Can I have just an indicative survey? Raise a hand if you're one of the, yeah, there are a number. And there's always an, another sort of 10 or 20% of people who just don't want to raise their hand because I asked you to. Now, I'm actually not one of the people that have, have watched the latest season, but I'm reliably informed that in one of the episodes, the, the main storyline, or at least one of the storylines within the episode, is a story of Sir Mark Thatcher. And I don't know if you know the story, but on January the 9th, 1982, Mark Thatcher took on the Paris to Dakar rally. Now, you may not know what that rally is, but it's a, if, if not, it's a 10,000-kilometer race. It's a 10,000-kilometer race through the wilderness. And in the midst of the race, uh, Mark Thatcher and his, his couple of colleagues, he had a mechanic on board and his co-pilot, uh, they got lost. They went 50 kilometers off course. They struck a rock, and in the midst of all that, their car broke down, and there they were, marooned. Now, their fellow competitors took a, a note of where they'd gone so that they could pass that information on to the authorities, but they passed it on incorrectly. They said that they were east, when indeed they were west. And so, nobody could find them. In fact, nobody could find them for six whole days. By the time they were finally discovered, they were surviving on two cups of water each day. And what it took... For them to be found was Margaret to have a chat with Dennis, Margaret Thatcher that is, with Dennis, uh, Mark's father. And he flew out and they got the Algerian military to go into the wilderness and search, flying overhead until finally they were found, surely reasonably close to death. Imagine that, six whole days in the wilderness. Six whole days in the desert in a Peugeot 504. Drastic scenes back there in 1982. But the rescue was effected. Later on, Mark came back to the UK, not really as humbled as, as we might have hoped. In fact, he was asked about the whole situation. He was asked what kind of prep he put into the rally. And he said these words. I did absolutely no preparation. Nothing. Now, can I just say for a minute, don't admit that. You know, it, it, taxpayers' money's gone on rescuing you. Don't admit it. Anyway, what this story communicates really clearly, what I want to draw from this story is if you get lost in the wilderness, if you get stuck in the middle of nowhere with a couple of mates and only hope to keep you going. You need two things if you're going to get out of there alive. The first thing you absolutely have to have is a way out. You need a rescue. You need help from outside your situation. And the next thing you need is you need water to sustain you while you're there. And actually, that's exactly what that second reading, which Matt read to us just now from Isaiah, is speaking of. It picks up the story of Israel, God's people from the Old Testament. It picks up their story and they are lost in the wilderness. As a result of their own sin, which is to say their willful disregard for God and his vision for life. They have wandered far, more than 50 kilometers from his paths. 
And so they've ended up in exile, which is just a fancy way of saying their car has struck a rock. And they're marooned without hope and without help. And they're crying out for help. And Isaiah comes along, one of these biblical prophets. And the job of a prophet in the, in the Bible is to basically give you an accurate representation of what's going down at that moment. And Isaiah picks up this imagery, this language of wilderness, and he uses it to frame the situation and the circumstance that Israel's in. And he uses it for a couple of reasons. And the first reason is this, wilderness is dreadful. <laughs> That's the reason. Wilderness is a struggle. So that imagery communicates to the people the dire straits that they're in. But the second reason he uses that language, that imagery, is because wilderness, desert, is also a place of hope. It's the place where God had done his most extraordinary things for the people of Israel. It's the place where he rescued them from Pharaoh's grip. They were a slave people and he made them into a nation by setting them free. And so for them, Israel, wilderness was a place of hope, a place of promise and possibility as well as a place of struggle. And so Isaiah uses this imagery if you like, he's making exactly the same point I made earlier about Mark Thatcher. He's, he's saying that what they need, if you look at the, the detail in Isaiah, what he's saying that they need two things. They needed a way out. His imagery, his language is this, a way in the wilderness. Isaiah's saying, look, if we're going to get out of this, brothers and sisters, what we need is God's rescue. The second thing he says is we need water. He speaks of streams in the wasteland. Streams in the wasteland. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Here we have the two things that uh, caused, permitted, allowed Mark Thatcher's survival. We have a way out, a rescue, and we have water. Now bottled water is one thing. But if you could find an oasis, a spring, a well of some kind, you'd be even better equipped to survive wilderness life. And the point that the entire Gospels, which are the biographies about Jesus, and in fact the whole of the New Testament, which is the story about the difference that Jesus makes to people's lives, the point that all of that literature makes, the point that 2,000 years of Christian experience of church history make is that Jesus is both of those things. He is the way in the wilderness. And he is the stream in the wasteland. The news, the good news that was given to Mary, the good news of great joy that came to the shepherds, that came to the people of Israel, was good news that there was a rescue coming, a savior, a deliverer. Somebody was going to pluck them out of the mess that they were in and lead them into a future where there was hope, possibility, prosperity, all the things that we most need as humans. And the promise also to those shepherds, to Mary, to kings and Others who heard the news was also that this Jesus, this Messiah, which is just a, an old word for king, this kingly figure was going to bring with him spiritual 
water, resource that would cause and bring about the deepest kind of transformation imaginable. And that's what we see on the pages of the New Testament. There's one particular story which is my favorite and we're not supposed to rank Bible stories. Certainly those of us who are pastors are not supposed to admit that we like certain bits better than other bits, but I like this bit a whole lot. It's in John 4. And it's a story of Jesus meeting a woman by a well. It's a wilderness story, folks. Here she is. She's just going about her daily business, gathering water, except she's alone. It's a famous well, but she's alone. Not even any tourists about, because it's the middle of the day. And there she is, on her own. And the reason she's on her own is because she's had so much tragedy in her life. She's lost four husbands, and she's alone, basically. I feel like, I mean, it's my own interpretation of the story, but she's disconnected herself from community because I feel like as I read the pages of it, I think it's like she's become so desperate, so afraid of losing anybody else that she doesn't want to enter into the risk of relationship anymore. She's isolated. And Jesus meets her there and begins a conversation. I don't have time to go into the detail. You can watch it or read it later for your homework. He meets with her and he strikes up a conversation and he makes a connection. And in the midst of that connection... He speaks to her about water, the most basic thing that you need in life, the most basic thing you need in a wilderness. And he offers her a drink. (laughs) He said the drink he offers her isn't just a, a drink from the well, it's a drink from the well which is his own life, his own spirit, his own fullness, his own beauty and magnificence. And he says, look, I can give you a drink. And if you drink of this drink, you'll never be thirsty again. Eventually, when she catches up to what he's talking about, she receives from him this living water. She's so profoundly touched by him that she goes and tells everyone that she's known. Do you see? She, the isolated one, becomes connected. She, the wilderness woman, heads back into the town to re-enter into communal life, to re-enter into hope, to re-enter into possibility and a future and promise. This is it. This is the story. This is what Jesus is all about. What if this could be true today? Folks, it's been a wilderness year. Can I get an amen? I can get a couple of chuckles. I'll take that. I'll take that. It's been a wilderness year. It's been a shocking year. None of us imagined this. None of us thought. None of us thought we'd show up to church Christmas this year looking like dentists with masks on. But look at you lot. That's where we are. And many of us are more isolated than we've ever been. There is a wrestle for hope. There is a wrestle with fear and anxiety and our way of life. I'm not going to get into this too much here, but our way of life, what we've understood to be the normal is under threat and has been for a while now. There is with that a tremendous amount of uncertainty. And I think if we're being really honest, we're living, probably many of us, with a basal level of anxiety, disquiet. 
And this Jesus comes into the midst of that wilderness and he says these words, there is a way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he comes into this wilderness and he says, I am the living water. He or she who drinks from me will never thirst again. He is still, I contend this evening, the sure answer to the deepest questions of human existence, the desire for meaning, for purpose, for direction, for a plan for life. He is, as the Manic Street preacher said, a design for life. He is the water that never runs dry. He is the water in the wilderness and he offers us this water. And if we will drink from the well, we'll never thirst. And we ourselves, he says in John 7, will become a well for others. It is an extraordinary picture of hope. And I'm here to tell you today, this offer is available for every person. There is no qualification. There is no entrance exam. You can be Two years old, you can be, I was going to say 200, you can't. It's, statistically, it's very unlikely. You can be young, you can be old, you can receive this free offer of life in him. And this man, this Jesus, his life is available today for you, for everyone, for me. And it's an offer which can change your life. We, we heard Danny's story, didn't we? She said, that moment, that quiet moment in my room on my own changed my life 16 years later. And we heard Archie's story. And Archie's story happened, it wasn't even 16 weeks ago. It might have been 16 days ago. Jesus, his offer is for us today. So today, as you consider this last year, as you pick through the bones... Of your experience of this year, could it be that this good news of great joy is for you today? Maybe for some of you, you've never considered that. That there could be any mileage in this religious stuff, this Jesus talk. Why don't you investigate it? Why don't you ask him? Why don't you dare to ask him? If you are who you say you are, show me. If you have a way for me, Show me. If you have water for me, pour it out on me. Because it is possible, isn't it, that the God who brought good news to those desert dwellers, those shepherds, Mary, those kings, those magi from far off, brings that same news to you and I today. Because unto us a child is born and a son is given.